0: This is a CNIB Foundation podcast.
1: You're listening to Blind Wide Open with host Christine Malik. If you're totally blind, chances are good that at least once in your life, you've heard someone express the opinion that they'd rather die than go blind. Though this statement is alarmist and inexpressibly tactless, there's no denying that losing your sight can be traumatic. For 35 years, Brian Vay was a client support services worker for the CNIB in Alberta. In that role, he often found himself guiding clients through the emotional labyrinth of coming to terms with their vision loss and constructing a new life and a new sense of self. In our candid conversation, he described some of the things that a person in this situation might expect to experience. I started by asking him about the CNIB's Adjustment to Vision Loss program.
0: We do a course right now called Adjustment to Vision Loss. And in that course, we have what is called a COPE principle, which is C-C-O-P-P-P. And, and, you know, the acronyms are, you know, um, creativity, so, when we're looking at a task or doing, making any decisions, we have to look at <clears throat> the creativity to help us to look at all of our different options. We talk about communication and communication is important because your family and those folks around you really should be on the same page when you're coping because they're going to be the ones helping you with your needs. We talk about organization and how important that is for you and I, Chris, to be organized in our daily lives. We talk about patience, slowing ourselves down to accommodate our vision loss. We talk about planning. And you know, with doing any task, 80% of that task is probably has to do with planning. Okay. And finally, we talk about persistence, because I believe that if we can develop a skill we are persistent. We stick with it. We learn how to do that. Uh, we get comfortable doing it. We build up our confidence. It helps us to um, to move forward towards self-actualization. If we ever reach that, okay, which is questionable. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: wow, that acronym really just summed up my whole life. There, that sums up every resource that you really need as a blind person. Yes.
0: And it's very, very important for our family to be online because if they're not prepared to work with us, when we say, I'd like to organize the fridge this way, or I'd like to organize my pantry that way, that this is the way it should stay.
1: It seems like only recently that I've seen references to the level of mental illness in the blind community or the extra strain that blindness puts on people's mental health. And I wonder if you can contribute to that in terms of what special things are relevant in the blind community when we talk about mental health?
0: They're dealing with some, um, some difficult stuff. Their world's been flipped upside down. Mm-hmm. And we know that part of the adjustment uh, uh, to vision loss or dealing with depression, we deal with denial, we deal with anger, we deal with bargaining, we deal with acceptance.
1: It's the stages of grief, right? That's
0: right. Same thing. Okay? So I've been encouraging administration before I retired that we need to look at some mental health training so our staff have a better understanding of what that entails, what that's all about.
1: What are the special things that can happen to blind or low vision people in terms of mental health what are the particular things that people themselves might be on the lookout for to recognize or that professionals or family members or friends might be on the lookout for
0: i think you know some of the main things are are isolation okay they stop going out they feel that when they go out, uh, everybody is watching them. They don't feel they belong anymore, okay? So it's that isolating themselves from society, imprisoning themselves in their homes. They stop socializing. Um, you know, they, they they even give up on um, developing skills at home where oh, I can't dial the phone, so now you as my spouse can't go to work. So, so they become dependent on that person. People tend to push their friends away because people don't want to hear people always talking about division loss because often people wear it on their sleeves.
1: So those the two things you mentioned, isolation and kind of, well, the, what you mentioned about uh-huh. isolation and friends, what is the answer to that? What's the solution? I think
0: the solution to that is, is we getting, talking to people as soon as we can. What I do, I can't speak for everybody at CNIB, but what I did was I would say, you know, you're losing your vision. Now's the time to give some thought to how you want to live the rest of your life. Because they all have their own perception of what blindness is. And, you know, and if some of them have never met a blind person, uh, it could be pretty bleak, OK? Because they assume, if I can't see, I can't do nothing, right. OK? So we talk about how the services at CNIB, how CNIB can train them. The resources we have can support them in whatever choice they make. Because you're in the driver's seat, OK? You want to isolate yourself and make yourself a prisoner in your own home. CNIB is just gonna let that happen because there's too many people for us to visit. But if you're interested and want to learn the mobility skills and want to learn the ILS and learn how to, to handle yourself in a, socialize, uh, in a social setting, so if you want to invet, invite family in, because a lot of times people won't even do that. They won't invite their, invite their family in for a Christmas tea because they have to take the responsibility of being the hostess, Mm -hmm. okay? And and oh my God, I can't see to do this. I gotta make a mess of myself and people are gonna think that I'm terrible and all that stuff, okay? All the negative things that go along with that because once you mention that, you get a lot of anxiety because this is all new stuff.
1: You're Mm -hmm. blind yourself. And I wonder what role that has in your interactions with clients when you're counseling them.
0: Oh, my role has been very, very, very positive. Um, Every client, like when when I do the adjustment to the blindness program now, and I do it as a volunteer. I retired in September. And people who come in are people that I have registered with CNIB last summer. Mm -hmm. And every one of them, oh, Brian is the first person I ever spoke to. And he is such an amazing (laughs) person, you know, to the point where it's embarrassing. (laughs) Okay. And, uh, you know, part of adjusting to vision loss, Christine, as you know, because I understand you've been blind from childhood. Yes. Okay. Is you know your environment. Even here, when you got me that glass of water, you didn't have to fumble around to find it. You just went over and got it very smoothly Mm -hmm. because you... You explore the environment, you know your environment, and you can move comfortably within your environment. Mm-hmm. Because I could do that, or do that in my office, people would come in, oh, you want uh, you know welcoming package to CNIB. I'd just step over, take it off the bookshelf, and hand it to them in an envelope. Yeah. Uh, and because I could move so easily in an environment I was familiar with, you know, they would question, no, you must see something. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, but that's why I said, t- you know, um, that's, that's why. But I say to them, you know, if you know your environment, you can function so easily, but it takes work. You know, you have to plan. You have to explore. And then I show them how to explore with putting the palms on the table and using their, uh, curling their fingers and, so they can find the bottom of the glass instead of this region of knocking it over and all that stuff so that they get comfortable with their space
1: it's impossible to overstate the importance of role models that's what i
0: think absolutely absolutely and and that is one of the reasons i think we have positive people functioning as facilitators in our adjustment division loss groups and and also our peer support groups and stuff like that that's so essential because, you know, lead, leading, leadership by example does so much more than all the documentation you can give a person. You know, it just does so much. You know, people say, well, Brian, you know, you've been blind all your life. It's simple. It's simple for you. You know, there's no adjustment. I said, no, I have to adjust every day because I live in a changing world and I have to accommodate that change. I said, it doesn't matter how long you've been blind. You always have to adjust unless you're on the other side of the sod." <laughs>
1: I, I hadn't thought about it until you put it that way. But it takes humility and courage. The humility comes in, in realizing I'm not doing all I could. Yeah. I could be doing more and I'm not. Okay, that's a humbling thought for yeah. me to have. And then to think, okay, next step. Am I brave enough to actually do that thing yeah. that's so foreign?
0: you can have a bad experience which can start to um, to take away your confidence
1: yeah
0: you know and once you start losing your confidence and as we get older, physiologically we, we find that we have restrictions mm-hmm. you know and and I, and I feel that part of my balance is is too because of age. I just don't have that that recovery in my core balance that yeah. I had 10, 15 years ago. So, you know, so there's all sorts of things in life that's going to impact on us as well as our vision because now when you step down off that curve, you have to be a little more sturdy.
1: Not only in the vision loss community, but for everyone, mental health seems to be centered around having community in your life, whatever kind of community that is. And I wonder if you can say anything about that specifically around the blind community and vision loss or people who are losing their
0: vision? I think what it's important to remember with, with regards to mental health is for those people around us to understand that we are going through a process. And I think it's fair to say to a family, you know, your, your, your spouse is dealing with grief. You know, they're angry, they're bitter, they're in denial. Um, you know, they're bargaining. And all these stages can um, fluctuate. Not only, you know, they're giving up their vision, they're giving up their lifestyle, they know it as, It's a good chance they have to give up their home. Because what happens if they don't function well at home, kids start talking about lodge.
1: The driver's license is a big one for oh, people. Yeah. That causes a lot of, yes. it's not just irritation at I can't do my errands. There seems to be a, a profound existential terrible thing that happens to people when they lose their driver's license in particular
0: identity my identity yes that's what i've often yeah big big you know two of them not being able to read and the driver's license are the two major issues at this one lady in our group now every every meeting she talks about giving up her driver's license and she's just you know um she says, I give up my driver's license, but I bought three buses to CNIB, so, and we were talking about setting goals, and that was one of the goals she set. Because grieving can go on for years, Yeah, years. It's not like something blind today, I, I'm going to go through my process next week. Right. Right. I know people who never have, never have reached the acceptance stage. Mm-hmm. And of course, acceptance doesn't mean, 'Yeah, yeah I'm blind. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but it means that I have developed a skill and have the ability to deal with the changes that come my way.
1: And some days just suck. Like oh, I think that, that I've right. reached the acceptance stage in general, but yeah. some days are just—they're terrible. And you, God, ah, why? And then you yeah. move through it, and then you just keep yeah. going.
0: It's like when I go down to the LRT station, and the train pulls in, and I'm standing at the door, and got my hand on the button. And nobody's opening the door, so I push it, and by then the train is going to leave, so he just starts to pull away slow. And I get so furious. Yeah. And, you know, that screws up my whole day.
1: Yep. And that's part of acceptance, too, yes. I think, is to know that bad stuff's going to happen, yes. and you're going to be really angry, and stuff just sucks some days. Yes. But, but ever, otherwise, you're living your life. And... That's For me, that's been part yeah. of acceptance is to go, yep, some days this yeah. is just crap, <laughs> and I don't like it. Yeah, but, but
0: I, I've had people who've had experience like that getting on the train who refuse to take it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: And I say, well, you know, you're just setting yourself up for more negative.
1: Yeah, it's a choice with yeah. consequences. Yeah. For more information about CNIB programs and resources, visit www.cnib.ca. You've been listening to Blind Wide Open with host Christine Malik.
0: This was a CNIB Foundation podcast.